Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. So this morning we're going to continue our sermon series and we have this ongoing question, which is the theme for our series, Why Am I Here? And this morning we're going to address the topic of worship. It's a topic that first now appears in the book, and it's a topic that should captivate our hearts because we are worshiping beings. We are here, planted on planet Earth, to worship God. And of course, God wants that worship to happen individually in our own lives as we walk before Christ, but also collectively as we gather for what we call corporate worship. Worship that God desires comes from a heart that's undivided, that desires him over everything else. You know what Solomon is addressing in chapter 5, that worshipers are worshiping with false pretense. And the Lord says, it's a theme that runs all the way through scripture, but Isaiah 29 verse 13 says, the Lord says, these people come to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And the almighty God will have none of that, loved ones. And so allow me to ask you this question even before we get into our text this morning. What brought you here today? Maybe I can ask this in a bit of a different way. Where's your heart? Every Sunday morning we have a time of prayer. We pray for you. I'm thankful for these brothers and sisters who also pray for me. This past week, my youngest daughter was checking the heartbeats of her stuffies. And I said to her, what is that thing around your neck? She said, it's a stethoscope. I said, yeah, that's what it is. But you know, my daughter was playing make-believe with the stuffies' heartbeats. But I want to assure you this morning, both to you who are sitting here in this audience, but also you who are online, that there's nothing make-belief about what's happening here. Now, we're coming to worship a three times holy God who is awesome, who created a vast universe and desires to be in relationship with us. It's not make-belief. And coming here is a matter of the heart, and coming here is calling us to prepare ourselves to worship this God. And that's exactly what we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 5, the verses 1 through 7, and I'm going to share a few thoughts on that. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. So as we open our text this morning on this theme, worship, I think the writer could be Solomon is providing some warnings for God's people when it comes to corporate worship, even though that word is not used. And I think he provides four in our text that we're going to look at this morning, four warnings surrounding the worship of God. The first is to guard your step. The second is to watch your mouth. The third is to fulfill your vows. And the fourth is to stand in awe of him. Four warnings surrounding the worship of God. And it begins with guarding your step. If we begin right at verse one, it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Well, in the Old Testament, it happened corporately at God's temple in the house of God. And so he turns his attention then to the only thing that really has meaning and purpose in life, and that is to worship the God who created the heavens and the earth and to draw near to him in his house. No sooner 
Does his attention move from the observation now into the house of God that he applies the brakes? Severe conditions ahead if you undermine the holiness and the awesomeness of the one you are worshiping. It's all about the heart. Some of you know the story. It doesn't end well. I want to test your hearts. Do you love me? Will you obey me? But no sooner had they been in that garden, it seems, that their hearts became cold towards the creator and they became warm towards the deceiver and they listened to his lies. They became proud. They ate the fruit and they plunged themselves and us into destruction. And the penalty? Death. And all seemed lost then. Humanity's destiny was ultimate destruction, it seemed. Now fast forward a few thousand years. And listen to what the Lord says to Moses to tell the people in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Then, he says, have them make a sanctuary for me. Now, that's pretty cool. This is uber cool. And I will dwell among them. And, and he tells them in verse 17, after he's giving them this, 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 the dimensions of the ark, which is, of course, a path through the way back to the sanctuary through forgiveness because there's this atonement cover on the ark. And God says, with the sprinkled blood, I will forgive the sins of my people. Verse 17. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. Now here it comes. And make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. You see, God who is holy and righteous, chose and found a way to meet with his people again in his house. He says, I want to dwell with them, but I'm not going to compromise my holiness as I do this. So make those cherubim. Let them see that this is back into the sanctuary and that for them to come before me, there needs to be atonement. The point is that God hasn't changed since the fall or ever. And the rebellion that drove Adam and Eve to sin lives in the heart of everyone. We are proud and we're deceitful. We're impure by nature. And yet God says, I want to invite back these people into my house to seek my grace, to seek my favor, not at a cost to my holiness, but to the extent of my grace to them. That means this, congregation. The worst thing God's people can do in worship is undermine two things, the gravity of God's holiness and the gravity of our sin. A member sent me Shai Lin's song this week, All Consuming Fire. Don't know if you know that song. I'm not going to rap it for you. I have a hard enough time preaching. But at the beginning of the Shai Lin song, you hear the voice of John Piper, who is a pastor. And this is what he says. What is sin, is the question. Sin is the glory of God not honored. The holiness of God not reverenced. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The commandments of God not obeyed. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The person of God not loved. That's what sin is. That's who you've come to worship this morning. Guard your step when you come into the house of God. And you say to me, well, Pastor Ian, 
you're forgetting something. We're New Testament believers. We're post-cross. I'm going to say, yes, you're right. That changes things, doesn't it? Because we're no longer going to the house of God, his temple. Because you're going to remind me that Christ, when he died on that cross, that cursed tree, he broke down the curtain that divided the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, from the holy place. He opened up the way to God. We have direct access. With Jesus Christ as our cornerstone, we are worshiping him together. And we need to prepare ourselves to meet him And there's this amber light that's flashing. Guard your step. Prepare your heart. This is not make-believe. And so I ask you this morning as we move into our second point, we're going to move a bit quicker now. How did you prepare your heart? First warning. Second warning. Watch your mouth. That's another warning light that's flashing. Verse 2 says, Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Verse 2, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Now get this. Here's why. So let your words be few. James 1 verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow, 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 slow down there, bro, with your speech. Because listening equals obedience in the economy of God. God desires our obedience. The holy one, the posture before the holy one, before the holy one of Israel is to listen in the way of willingly following him. That's what listening is when it comes to God. Of course, in the Old Testament, the people came to the temple to listen to the priest explain the law of God, but they also came with their sacrifice. What's our offering here this morning, loved ones? Our offering this morning is our life, wholly devoted to Jesus. But there's an amber light that's flashing then. We read, it's better to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know they do wrong. You see, a sacrifice of fools is coming to the household of faith where we're worshiping together with nothing in your heart for him. That's foolishness. Oh, that we might be moved in our hearts when we come together for worship to the majesty and the holiness and the awesomeness of God. He has a stethoscope, remember, on your heart and asking you, where is it? Where's your heart? Here's a third amber light. The third amber light is to fulfill your vows The caution here is to remember not only that you need to be slow to speak, but that when you do speak, you need to remember who you're talking to. But what we're talking about here has not a public character to it. It happens in the recesses of your heart as you're listening to the gospel preached, as you're learning from the word. Before God, our solemn promises need to be carried in a particular way. Maybe you have been impacted by a message and you say, you know, that that part of my life needs to go. Maybe it's an addiction that you have, and you're realizing after the message being preached to you, or as you open God's word, you're like, that, I, can't, I can't worship God and worship that. i got to let that go. And you make a promise to God. If you make such a promise, the teacher says, keep it, even if it hurts. Be truthful. If you're going to make a promise to God in your pursuit of holiness, in your pursuit of Christ, follow through. There's a warning there. Here's a fourth and final warning. To stand in awe of him. 
It means to fear him. Now, he's not talking here about a terror-driven fear of God. There is that type of fear. A fear driven only by guilt, no love. The overarching reality is to fear the one we come to meet. He is a holy God who abhors the evil that foments in the hearts of men and women alike. But here's the good news, and I'm going to close with this. The chief reason we fear God is because of what he has done to rescue us. And so I ask you this morning as I close up, where is your heart? God is calling you into relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and you are to come before him with a reverent awe. And our prayer is that your worship, loved ones, will not be, and mine, will not be a sacrifice of fools. Perish the thought but a sacrifice of praise, honoring and adoring the one who gave his life so that we could enter again into his sanctuary and be safe forever. Amen.